Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome in a Monday edition of New York, New York. It is the last Monday edition for the month of February. That is music to my ears because that means the month of March will be here before you know it. That means the tournament will be here before you know it. That means baseball season will be here before you know it. And that definitely puts a little extra pep into my step. I just want to throw this out of the way. Right out of the gate. Because I saw a lot of this on social media over the weekend. I saw a lot of the baseball purists up in arms over this. If you were dissecting Twitter and Instagram at like 2, 3, 4 in the afternoon on Saturday like I was. I think I'm going to surprise a lot of you by saying this. Because even though I'm a younger guy, although I didn't feel too young uh, this weekend up in the Poconos, but that's a story for a different day. I'm an old soul at home. And when it comes to baseball, which is a sport that is near and dear to me, I am very much a traditionalist. I am very much an old school kind of guy. But I can't get enough of this pitch clock. I don't like the pitch clock. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I love the pitch clock. I love it. Pace of play is something I've been screaming about in baseball for a long, long time. And when you're in the position that I'm in, where... Every single night, you're watching the Yankees, you're watching the Mets, you're breaking it all down. I want these games to flow. And I know the first time we have an instance where the pitch clock screws the Yankees or the Mets, we're going to have plenty of Yankee or Mets fans yelling and screaming, calling me, venting to me, expressing their frustrations. That may be true. But I do think it's something that the players over the long haul they're going to get used to it. 
And, you know, for the time being, just watching a little bit of spring training games over the weekend. And like I said, I hate spring training. I put absolutely no stock in what you see in these games. Because if you put stock in it, uh, it gets dicey. Don't need me to remind you of Greg Bird and how Greg Bird was the Grapefruit League warrior that dominated for the New York Yankees and just never hit in regular season, with the exception of 2017. But I bring all this up because I'm watching Scherzer today have a 27-second strikeout. That's a good thing for the sport. Getting these games moving, like, over the course of the regular season, that's good. The game flows better. It doesn't feel like it's dragging. There's more action. Hopefully, these shifts going away is going to lead to more guys putting the ball in play. I hope this rule, as far as throwing over the first base, is going to lead to more stolen bases. Like, these are all elements that are good for baseball. So, I know what everybody's thinking. Oh, just wait, JJ. Yankees lose to Toronto or to Tampa or the Red Sox because of a pitch clock situation, you're going to be screaming. That may be true. But I'm here to say, as we head into late February, I am on board. I like the pitch clock. Don't at me. Don't hate me. I like the pitch clock. So I don't give this commissioner a lot of credit for a whole lot of different things because he has driven me to drink on far too many instances on far too many occasions. I think he got this one right. I think he got this one right. So that was an obvious eye-opening change just from like kind of keeping tabs on what was going on. The other thing I noticed, and from a Yankee perspective, look, we're going to spend a lot of time over the next month talking about who their shortstop should be as this team breaks camp. I think I speak on behalf of all of the Yankee fans who are out there listening to New York, New York, you know I don't want to see IKF as the everyday shortstop if he's a utility infielder. He's playing two or three days a week. Great. That, to me, is where he can be a productive, useful, big league player. He's not an everyday shortstop. It's time for somebody in this Yankee farm system to come through, break through, and hit the ground running. Peraza, I think, is the front runner because I think his defense is there. I think the fact that he had a cup of coffee in the big leagues gives him a leg up. But, I mean, I'm watching Anthony Volpe hit rockets in Dunedin. He's stealing bases left and right. And again, it's spring training. You don't want to get nuts. But that's the sort of guy to me, if he has a monster camp, you got to be tempted, right? If you're Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman to say, screw it. Let's see him in the big leagues. If I'm not mistaken, a team by the name of the Houston Astros went into opening day last year with a rookie at shortstop. I also think it's pretty fair to say that team worked out pretty well for them, did it not? Worked out pretty well starting Jeremy Pena from Pillar to Post. He goes and wins the LCS MVP and kills the Yankees and then goes and wins the World Series MVP and kills the Philadelphia Phillies. And I'm not saying that Peraza or Volpe is necessarily going to do that. I just think it's a good model to, dare I say, try to emulate. Need production and energy out of that position for the Yankees. And no disrespect to ICAF. Yeah, actually, the hell with that. Disrespect to ICAF. He ain't that dude. Play one of your kids. 
from the get-go. Please. I beg that of the New York Yankees. From shortstop. I beg. I beg. I beg. If it's Peraza, I promise. Not going to complain. If it's Volpe, great. Not going to complain. One of those two dudes has got to be the Yankee shortstop. Let's just get that on record. Let's state that as we head into the month of March. That has got to be the case. I wanted to hit on this from a Met perspective. They miss out on Machado this weekend. Not necessarily this weekend, but come the offseason time. A lot of people thought, because of the connection with Buck Showalter, that Manny Machado opting out of his contract was going to be a match made in heaven for Steve Cohen and the Mets. And he would have been. Listen, I've come full circle on Machado. So I liked him when he was with the Orioles, but when the Yankees, remember 2018, the Yankees, he was a free agent. The Yankees had Didi at the time. They had Andujar at the time. They signed with Mayu, who was great, not good, great in 2019. So my, my feeling was the Yankees didn't need Manny Machado. Time passes. You see what's happened with Didi. You see what happens with Andujar. And yeah, I, I'll take a mulligan on that. Machado would have been a good Yankee. Harper would have been, would have been a better Yankee, but I, I, I digress. Machado goes to San Diego. And I don't know how the Padres have all this money. I, I really do not know. It's amazing. Soto, Bogarts, Tatis. Machado opts out. I'm like, all right, maybe this is going to be a problem for them. Maybe it's going to be a little bit of a distraction. No. The owner says, we want to keep you here. You're a Padre for life. Good for the Padres, number one, as they continue to be the mid-market team that gets it. And there are other mid-market teams that don't, and that's why they're a joke, and that's why they don't have success, and their owners don't go the extra mile to try to win. Padres have turned into, let's be honest, a big market team. They're not even a mid-market team with that payroll anymore. They spend like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Mets. They spend like these teams. It's crazy. Good for them. But what does this mean for the Mets? Machado's out. Okay. I don't want to spend all year for a team that's got legitimate World Series aspirations talking about, oh, well, what's next? What's next? But when somebody who is a potential free agent comes off the board, a potential big bat comes off the board, I was asked this question about 10 minutes ago on Sports Night on SOI. Are the Mets going to be Otani or Buss next year in the offseason? I think the answer to that question is no. Because when Steve Cohen's your owner, it never simply comes down to one guy. Like, let's be real with Cohen. He is going to stop at nothing financially until the Mets go and win a World Series. He's not going to stop. As long as these rules with payroll are in place, think he gives a rat's ass about the luxury tax? He does not care. He doesn't care. So you know what he's going to say? Hey, we didn't get it done. I'm going to build up my farm system and I'm just going to keep spending crazy money until we win. So maybe that's Otani. Maybe that's somebody we're not talking about right now. But two of the big names that I thought might be available for the Mets that would have fit perfectly after the whole Correa situation goes the way that it goes. Devers resigns in Boston. Red Sox had to do it. Machado resigns with the Padres. So, it won't be Manny Machado at City Field in 2024. But you know what? If I'm a Mets fan, take the page from Steve Cohen. We have to reference it because the signing happened earlier today. But he's worried about this year. And if I'm a Mets fan, guess what? 
I, I, I too am worried about this year. I got a team that I think could go and win a World Series this year. Depends on Verlander and Scherzer and their health. It depends on the lineup being able to hit in the month of September. Hit with enough power. At times, I'd slug teams like the Phillies and the Braves that hit a whole lot of home runs. I do think the balanced schedule is going to help both of these teams. And I know you can say, well, the Mets got a ton with the Marlins and the Nationals, but won't have it. Yeah, that's true, but look at, the, look at the bottom of the NL. There are some garbage teams. Garbage. You get more games in Colorado. They stink. You get more games with Pittsburgh. They are dreadful. Same for the Yankees. More with the Royals. More with the Tigers. More with Oakland. Sure. Balanced schedule, I think, will be beneficial for both the Yankees and the Mets as we move forward here. Look, spring training doesn't get me excited. The idea of thinking about the start of the baseball season, though, I'm starting to get fired up. Not going to lie. And I I would say that the anticipation for this baseball season in New York City is probably the highest level of anticipation that we've had for a baseball season collectively with the two teams. Yeah, I'll say it in my lifetime. You know, going into 2000, you had the Yankees winning, what, back-to-back. Mets going into the NLCS. 0-1 took a little bit of a step back because the Mets didn't have a great offseason. They lost my camp, and if you remember, they didn't get Alex Rodriguez, so I wouldn't say it's 0-1. Mid-2000s, there were plenty of years. Both teams were fired up. The Reyes, the Wright, the Delgados, the A-Rod, Jeter, Matsui, uh, Sheffield Yankees. So there are plenty of examples where both teams were good. But you're coming off a year where both teams were very entertaining watches all year. And both teams had World Series aspirations all year. Unless something drastically different happens between now and October, I expect that to be the case, which is a good thing for New York City. It's a good thing for New York baseball. It's a good thing for New York, New York. It's good for all parties involved. So. We're stoked. Month away. And hopefully a kid shortstop. Please, for the love of God, a kid shortstop. Want to address this. Knicks come out of the All-Star break with two very impressive wins. They had a gritty win on Friday night where Randall was just absolutely unconscious. Then they go and take down New Orleans Saturday night. They got themselves a fun little stretch of games. I mean, my goodness, think about the stretch of games the Knicks have after these back-to-back wins, which to me were if you want to be that top five seed in the Eastern Conference, and you've gotten a little help here because the Heat have tailed off first two games out of the break. The Nets, they was a heartbreaker Sunday. They fought. They absolutely fought against Atlanta. They were down in the game. They come storming back in the fourth quarter. And then Trey Young breaks your heart with the walk-off before Quinn Snyder goes and takes over the team. But Knicks, Celtics, they play the Celtics twice in a week. How cool is that? They play on Monday at the Garden. Then they play Sunday in Boston. Mixed in, you got Wednesday night. Nets, Knicks. You got Friday night. Knicks, Heat. Good win for the Knicks is right now, if they could get the... Forget about the Celtic games. You go head-to-head, beat Brooklyn and beat Miami, that's going to help you in your leg up to be in that top six. It's going to help you drastically. And Brooklyn's tailing off a little bit here. They've lost seven of their last 10. You got a lot of new pieces there. The Knicks, there's no excuse for them. They should have a better record than the Nets. They're a better team. 
They're obviously a more cohesive team. They had the best player, really, if you look at both rosters and Jalen Brunson. And Julius Randle, who's been great. It's been absolutely stupendous all year. The Knicks should have one of those top six records. Because I'm counting Brooklyn and that. I- I'd be careful with Atlanta, because Quinn Snyder's a great coach. I don't, I- I've not been in love with Atlanta's team all year. They've been disappointing all year. I would not be shocked, though, if Quinn Snyder comes in there and gives them a kick in the ass. And they start winning some games. And they maybe play themselves in a position where they work their way into that mix. But now you look, Miami, that's lost four straight games. They're two and a half back of the Knicks. They're two and a half back of the Nets. That's very, very good stuff for Tom Thibodeau's boys. And really a great start right out of the gate. And Barrett on Saturday night, you need more of that. That was Barrett's best game in a long, 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 long time. Giving you 25 with 8 of 13 from the field and filling up the stat sheet the way that he did. That's the element that's missing with the Knicks. Randall, Brunson, they've brought it all year. Now you need Barrett to come step up and be that third guy. So big week for the Knicks. Couple of games with Boston. Big games against Miami and the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night. So we'll have some fun with that. We are going to do a uh, we'll do uh, a live and, and we'll have everything on Wednesday this week for midweek pod. You're going to look forward to that with all the NBA stuff. So we'll be uh, super fired up for that. And, and what a disgrace, by the way, with my alma mater over the weekend. I mean, listen, I know they stink. I know they're not any good. And I know a lot of people are probably wondering, JJ, why are you even addressing Syracuse right now? They're not stiff in the NCAA tournament. I understand Jim Beheim is royalty in Syracuse. And he is going to dictate his shot and when he's going to retire. But Jim, your defense is 150th in the freaking country. The idea that you're going to lecture me and you're going to lecture the fan base on we can't play man-to-man defense, your zone is not working. You basically gave up triple digits to Pittsburgh over the weekend. When that's your Kempom rating, and that's the way your defense is playing, well, something's got to change. Something's got to give. And I was the biggest proponent of the 2-3 zone that you're going to find. But now you got all these kids idolizing Steph Curry. You know what they do? They outshoot the zone. You cannot sit there and tell me you can strictly play one type of defense and think it's going to be effective in modern-day college basketball. Because recently, the numbers, the metrics, they back up that this is in Valley. So I'm watching that game over the weekend. I'm absolutely sick to my stomach. Because it bothers me. It's March. I should be giddy about my alma mater getting ready for the NCAA tournament. And I know I sound like a spoiled brat. And I know I sound like an entitled Syracuse fan that expects to be in the NCAA tournament every year. But this pisses me off. It, it, it pisses me off that, again, I'm going to go into March basically with no shot of going to the dance. And I want to have my dancing shoes on. And I want to have my jig. I want to have a little extra pep in my step. And I won't have any of that. It'll be strictly about my beaks and my futures. And that's what it's going to be. But that's a, that's a void in my heart that's missing. I, I watched way too much college basketball yesterday, let me tell you. Way too much. I had a good day. I actually ran into fan up in the Poconos, and I'm proud of myself for this. I gave him two wagers. I gave him Carolina because they were favored against Virginia. It made absolutely no sense. Carolina won going away. I gave him Indiana against the vastly overrated Purdue Boilermakers plus the seven and a half. He didn't even need it. Indiana, outright. So, for the gentleman I ran into, I was going to say Merry Christmas, but that'd be two and a half months too late. 
whatever your celebration of choice might be. I don't even know. I was going to say happy St. Patrick's Day. I don't know if the Irish, but yeah, got a little luck of the Irish over the course of the weekend. All right. We're going to have my main man, Eamon McEnany, who, by the way, is in rare form because he's back from his staycation. So he was basically at home with the kids all week, going to basketball games, eating some fine Staten Island pizza when he came to my borough. Even though it's not my borough anymore, it's still always my borough. I think we all understand that. But we'll have some fun getting ready for the start of this baseball season, do a little mix with Eamon. Uh, let's hit one right out of the gate. And remember, we're going to have a live show this week. We'll have some details for that uh, coming up later in the week. But let's hear it, Steph. What's up, JJ? This is Brando from Queens. Brando from Queens. Yo, JJ, uh, I've been listening to the radio. I've been listening to the show. And, uh, man, you, you guys are just, like, bashing RJ, man. I, I, I know he, he deserves it a little bit, but, jeez, golly, man. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what else RJ could do. I know RJ's having a, a, a little down here, but from what the, the stats, what I'm reading right now is 19.7 points, 5.2 rebounds, and 2.8 assists. Like, I know, it's year four. Um, you can't compare him to job. Of course not. Absolutely not. He's the second pick. RJ was the third pick. But, dude, I, I, I don't know. From what I've been seeing for the last four years, RJ, he's slowly graduating, becoming a better player. This year, he's having a down year. Yes, he, he deserves the criticism. Yes, he deserves some somewhat of the blame. But uh, from the beginning of the season, he started slow. And then around December, late, late November, December, he started to pick it up a notch, and he gets hurt in Dallas. When Luca swipes the ball, and like he's having, I think he sliced his finger, whatever it was, he was playing the best basketball of, of his career. Uh, and uh, sufficiently, so I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I know RJ. I know RJ was benched the last, I guess, the last three minutes of the game for Josh Hart, which is understandably so. Um, he deserved to get benched, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. Like I, I think we should slow slow down on this RJ of, of like bashing, man. I I just I'm listening on the radio. I'm coming back home from taking my son from to uh. On basketball practice, he's only three years old. Well, he's he's doing good in. Uh, but yeah, man, like it's just nonstop fashion of RJ, man. Like it's crazy. ESPN, WFN, like we gotta chill, man. Let the let the kid cook, man. He's only twenty two years old. I know he's only twenty. He is. He's only twenty two years old, man. He's he's gonna be good in the future, man. I promise you. I, 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 at least he's not disrespecting the fans, going thumbs down like like uh uh like Randall did, and and not talking to the media and, and being disrespectful. RJ is not the type of type of player who's always been respectful to the media, so I think we should cut him some slack, RJ. Cut uh cut RJ some slack, you know, no no JJ. So uh that's all, man. JJ, have have a good weekend and have a good week, man. Your your pod is awesome. I'm I'm a huge fan. I'm I just put ten people. Onto your podcast, man. And I'm going to keep doing it because you're a good guy, man. All right, man. Have a good day. Well, Brando, I appreciate that love and that support. That means the world. We need a lot more of that in the world, uh, not just for my pod and what I do and what we bring to the table, but that sort of positivity everywhere can go a long way. That's number one. Uh, I wish I could share your optimism on Barrett's year. And you bring up a fair point, statistically speaking. It doesn't appear to be that drastic a drop-off in R.J. Barrett's numbers from last year 
to where they are this year. But if you watch the games, and we do that. Barrett hasn't played as well. He's not been as good defensively. He's been way too inefficient for my liking. He hasn't improved. I think that's what it boils down to. It's not to say R.J. Barrett's a bad player. He's a solid player. But he's not ascending the way you would want him to. And the unfortunate element that's in play for R.J. Barrett is the number three pick in the draft. And when the guy who's selected ahead of you by one spot is one of the best players in the NBA and is one of the most electrifying players in the NBA, it's always going to be that tough compare contrast. Barrett's going to have to earn his keep to close out games for the Knicks. I know I've said this on a pod a bunch over the last couple of weeks. I'm saying it again because he's got to earn his keep. Otherwise, he's not going to play. The head coach has told you that. you got to go and earn your keep. Now, I do want to hit on this before we hit Eamon McEnany. Seems like the Rangers, and I'm not going to pretend to be like the capologist in the NHL. Heaven forbid, me being an expert on that is insulting to everybody's intelligence. Nor am I going to be able to fairly judge what the Rangers get and give up in return if they go and get Patrick Kane. Here's what I know. The Rangers have a window to go and win. And Patrick Kane is a guy. Listen, for me to know who Patrick Kane is should tell you something. This guy's a sniper. This guy's won cups. This guy's played in big games. And I think he's at a stage in his career, quite frankly, where he's got something to prove. where he can go and leave his mark on a different organization and, dare I say, go to be the guy to maybe put the New York Rangers to the next level as a team, I'm all for the idea of going and getting him. And if the Rangers go and get Kane this week, we'll have somebody on. Mark my words, we'll have somebody on this week uh, to dissect all that. Because to me, and again, I'm not going to pretend to be Mr. Hockey now. I'm not going to pretend to be Mr. Hockey. This seems like a move you got to go and make. And with the way the Rangers are kind of finagling, they're sending guys off, they're playing shorthanded, it seems like they're doing everything in their power to go and get Patrick Kane. So I didn't want to forget that, hockey fans. I didn't forget about you. My endorsement, take it for what it's worth, I'd go and get Kane. And the sense I get, that's what the Rangers are going to do over the next couple of days. That Kane is the guy they are targeting between now and uh, I think it's next Friday's NHL trade deadline. So think about how great this April is going to be around here. I can't wait for the Masters. I can't wait for baseball. You're going to have the Knicks and the Nets, both in the NBA playoffs. And we may have all three hockey teams. We're definitely going to have two. But you could have all three hockey teams playing. All right, all right. That's what's up. So, Rangers get Kane. We'll put somebody on this week. Mark my words. We'll have a hockey spot on. All right. Eamon McEnany, my main man. He spends way too much time with me. Like, I think about people I spend time with in my life. It's like, you know, my fiance. It's, you know, my my parents. It's my two lunatic sisters, by the way. Unrelated. I went to the Poconos this weekend. And I don't ski. I I, I don't ski. I, I, I hadn't skied in 20 years. I had no desire to ski. Because I basically went into a weekend where it was a time warp for me back to the Syracuse days. I mean, these kids, my goodness, they, they, they get after it. 
they get after it. They're, they're playing these, 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 these drinking games. I've never even heard of half these drinking games. I got into it. Thought I had a chance to win a little flip cup championship. I got totally screwed. I mean, you want to talk about some Fugazi bullshit. I, I got, I, I should have advanced in like the round of five. They had like a survivor tournament and went from like 15 players. I'm in the final five. They called me out for a false start. So they redo the round. And of course I get eliminated. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? There's a false start. You call it out from the get go. So my future brother-in-law died me out on that. Fiance didn't have my back. I was very, I'm very unhappy. I spiked the cup after losing. I threw a little temper tantrum. But uh, I, I can't hang with the kids anymore, man. That's what this boils down to. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of embarrassed in a way. Like I went to bed yesterday. It's like 1:30 in the morning. They're staying up to like three in the morning. I'm like, God bless you guys. So I, at 30, I'm going to be 35 in May. I'm really starting to feel like a senior citizen in many, many ways. You know, I'm young at heart. I'm an old soul. But, like, that was an eye-opening uh, ski weekend for me. And, no, I did not want to blow out my knee. I got another half marathon coming up. The last thing I wanted to do is go on a ski slope. I haven't skied in 20 years and then go bombing down a hill. And then, uh, you know, I'm basically out of commission for golf season and for running season. You can't have that. And my wedding in August. You can't forget about that, too. Imagine that. I'm on crutches walking down the aisle. Even though I don't think I even walked down the aisle, but get my joke. Anyway, good weekend up in the Poconos. Ready for March. Amen back in 80. Weird transition, but that's what we do around here. That's so why my main man is up next. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. 
ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Let's welcome in a guy who right now is probably not in the most excited state because he's back at work. He had a wonderful staycation, calm before the storm with baseball season coming up. Don't get used to these 11 o'clock sports nights, Eamon McEnany. Welcome back to the podcast, my man. Thank you very much, JJ. You're absolutely right. You know, you think March 30th, opening day, it's it's going to hit you. It's going to get here. It's going to be an exciting season for baseball in New York City. But, uh, you know, I, I could use a few more weeks of spring training of day games. I can understand that. By the way, this pitch clock, I, I know the old baseball purist hates it. Twitter's losing its mind. Like, uh, a game is decided by the pitch clock. Dude, as somebody that's sitting there and watching these games day after day after day, sign me up for two and a half hour games all day, every day. From April to September, all day, every day. It's what the sport needs. I mean, there's no doubt these games take too long. There's too much time with no action involved. It's, you know, it's a shame it had to come to this, but they had to do it. And, you know, obviously we're a bit jaded because our life revolves around getting home at a decent hour. But, you know, we're as opposed to going to the game as a fan. But uh, I think this, I think it's going to be great for the sport because the sport needs to pick up the pace. Oh, you ain't kidding. Uh, did you see this over the weekend? I Somebody told me this earlier today. My jaw almost dropped. The Met spring training game did a higher rating than the Nick game yesterday. Wow. Can you believe that? Does that tell you, is that, hey, it's midseason basketball, it's Saturday night, and then you just have these baseball lunatics that are just dying to see baseball well, again. Look, the, you know, the ratings at SNY in general are up. And, you know, we haven't had a baseball game since October. So the Met fan is excited. The Met fan is rejuvenated. They're all in on Steve Cohen. And how can you not be? He has proven that he's going to do whatever it takes to win and that nothing, there are no obstacles outside of a bum ankle, I guess, on Carlos Correa. But, you know, look, you 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 believe in your franchise now. And they are excited for Met baseball. I think a little bit of it is that there's a little... Uh, Nick Malays right now, although there shouldn't be. The Knicks are playing well. really well. Brunson has been, you know, as Vaccaro wrote in the New York, Mike Vaccaro wrote in the New York Post, one of those rare New York signings that's even better than you thought it would be. So there should be some energy and juice around the Knicks. But, you know, they're, they're they just... They don't have a championship right, ceiling. They don't have a championship ceiling. They're just back to. from the All-Star break. And the Mets, the Met, you got to believe. I mean, the Mets fan is all in on the Mets. And how can you blame them? You've been around New York a long time. Would you say this is the most excitement you can sense around the city for a baseball season, respectively, between the two teams? Because Yankees, ALCS, Yankees obviously bring Judge back, Ed Rodone, the Mets spend a gazillion dollars. It feels like th there's a lot of just heightened optimism and just anticipation getting ready for these two teams to start. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, certainly in a long time. When you started asking me the question, I thought back to the 80s, when even though the Yankees never went to the playoffs, they were still really good. 86, uh, obviously, there was a ton of excitement for the Mets going in and coming off 85, and the 86 Yankees were a good team. So I would that's the only thing that pops in my mind. You know, I think when the when you had the World Series between the Mets and the Yankees, the Mets kind of came out of nowhere. So I don't know, going into the season, if there was as much excitement, uh, obviously, for the team this that is uh, going in right now. But I think you're right. I think you're onto something. I think the Yankee fan is excited. And clearly the Met fan is all in. This is a question you're going to ask me a zillion times. It's not the idea of who's better, the Yankees or the Mets. Because you can make an argument really for both teams. Right. Take your pick. Who do you think has a better chance to get to the World Series? Forget about who's better. You can make the argument the Mets a little better. You can make the argument the road to the World Series is a little easier in the American League because it's the Astros. Yeah, they're the team to beat. But you don't have as many teams you have to go through where you think about the Mets. 
You might have to play the Padres in the first round. You may have to deal with the Braves. You may have to deal with the Dodgers. There's just a lot more competition. Better chance to go to the World Series right now, end of February, Yankees and Mets. Yeah, I think it's the Mets because the Yankees can't beat the Astros. They are their daddy. I mean, you're not wrong about that. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I mean, the Astros are a model organization right now. And obviously that feels weird to say coming out, you know, mouth because they cheated. And who knows what the history would be if they weren't able to, you know, get away with that. But, you know, they lose guys left and right and they win championships. You know, they they lost Correa. They win a championship. You know, they've lost guys. You know, again, now maybe Verlander will be too big a loss for him, but they always have someone else ready to go. And the Yankees, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe a clutch hit. I'll believe a rally. You know, I believe we haven't seen it. See, that's the thing with the Yankees. Their pitching is great going into the year, but pitching has not been the problem for them when they have lost to the Astros, including last year. Pitching wasn't the problem. That's not the reason they lost that series. They couldn't hit anybody. They can't hit anybody. They can't come up with big hits. They don't put together big innings, you know, unless you're playing the Twins. I was going to say, if it's the American League Central, right. we should rephrase that because right. now you throw Cleveland right. in the mix. Cleveland They've had there. success right. against them. When they play the American League Central, no problem. But if you see them against Tampa or it's the Red Sox or it's the Astros, the Yankees have not solved the riddle of those teams. I think two things they need this year. One, LeMayu. They need LeMayu the last two years. It's no coincidence. They play the Red Sox, he's hurt. They play the Astros last year, he's hurt. They need him to play, and they need one of these youngsters to step up and be the guy at shortstop. They cannot... If they are going into shortstop and we're sitting here in October and you and I are having a discussion and it's ICAMP and shortstop, the Yankees are completely cut. Are you going to save that for Sports Night at 11, JJ? Uh, gladly. <laughs> I, I was going to say, that's another question I'll be answering right. 10 zillion times. Uh, 10 zillion times. Aaron Hicks, a question we're going to be talking, you know, the outfield we're going to be talking See, about. I think he'll 10. be done by midseason. Right. I right. think they'll put him out the pasture eventually. Right. You, uh, you know, Donaldson, what are you going to do with him? You know, there's there's just some, there's some luggage there that they have to take care of. I still think overall they're a good team and they're the best team in the East. And the pitching is very good. I'm curious to see how the bullpen's going to pan out just because it looks so different right now. But, you know, again, for the Yankees, it, they're going to be in the playoffs. And then it comes down to, can you beat the Astros? Well, isn't it weird now with this format? You know, in years past, it felt like it was such a premium to go and win your division. Even with the Mets, we talked about it last year. Oh, you got to win your division. Got to win your division. The Phillies come out of freaking nowhere. They win 84 games. They stunk. We watched them all year get smoked by the Mets. They get hot at the right time. They win their first round series. They smoke Atlanta. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and the Phillies are in the World Series. We are going to be prisoners of this because we live it every day. I'm doing a pod. You're talking about it on television all the time. But with this new format, Eamon, you just got to get in. You really do. You really do. It's getting closer to the NFL uh, than it was. Certainly, you know, I'm older than you. I remember, you know, the you just had to win your division. And obviously, there are people older than us that there were no divisions then. Uh, You know, you miss that down-to-the-wire, everyday count pennant race. Like, when the Mets were folding last year, imagine how much intensity would be in this town if there was no safety net. there's no wild card or only one wild card. I I know we're well beyond the wild card, and I don't have a problem with the wild card. I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm saying. Look, I'm a Don Mattingly fan, so I'm all in on the wild card. Would have been nice having a wild card for Donnie. Just saying. You know, I mentioned those teams in the 80s. Would have been nice having a wild card team for those teams in the 80s. They would have been in the playoffs every year. Eight out of ten years? Probably every year. Right. I mean, obviously, there were a few years where the wheels fell off. But I do think you want to win your division, even though it wasn't proven to be that big a deal last year with the Phillies, because I think that hurt the Mets. I think the way it shaped up and getting a Padre team. But again, to your point, uh, momentum, it's so huge. And the Phillies were hot, and they were a much better team 
down the stretch than that team the Mets played because they were awful against the Mets. Awful. awful. Every every series they every put against series, the Mets, they looked completely they looked inept. Completely inept in every, every way, shape, and form. Like when the Mets played them, I forget the exact date, but it was late in August when Canna hits that home run. And, you know, it's not a walk-off, but it's like an eighth-inning bomb. And you're just like, the Phillies are dead. And they were, obviously were far from dead. And that's the thing that this format has given baseball. Whether you like it or not, you're never, you're really never out of it. And that in- increases excitement for all these different markets. Look, I get the excitement with the Mets. They got brand names. Their owner spends a gazillion dollars. He's not going to stop. Those two guys at the top of the rotation, the first ballot Hall of Famers, their age has got to scare the living daylights out of you. I mean, especially Scherzer. Scherzer the last two years. Think about it. Dodgers breaks down in the playoffs. Biggest games of the year. He can't pitch. Last year, not great in September. Misses time. Terrible against the Padres. Even if you look at Verlander. Listen, I love Verlander. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. World Series history is not particularly good. Like, looking at those two guys, do you have those same concerns that I do about, like, yeah, it's great. They're going to be fun to watch. They're great storylines. I wonder how they're holding up over the course of 162. Yeah, n- not so much Verlander. Maybe it's because I just don't watch him go to the mound every five days, whereas we watched Scherzer last year. There's always a tweak. Not always, but, you know, that, there's that grimace and there's that tweak. And, you know, there goes two weeks, right? I mean, how many times last year? A couple, Multiple times he went to the DL. You know, and you know what's crazy? I thought him going to the IL last year in May was going right. to help. Because right. I'm like, all right, he's not burning all these bullets. They didn't have him basically for June and July. And then they unleash him. And then he gets hurt again. So it's you want to say, oh, well, maybe he doesn't need to pitch as much. Well, I don't know if that's it because he wasn't right in September and October anyway. Right. And then they changed everything around for him to, not change everything around, but they lined everything up for him to be the uh, game one starter. But yet, did they know he wasn't 100%? I mean, DeGrom was lights out in the playoffs. Scherzer and Bassett were not. So, I mean, you're absolutely right about Scherzer, you know, fading down the stretch. But uh, you, uh, you, you got to, Keep your fingers crossed because they're still unbelievable talents, and I, I think they're going to dominate for the most part. Are they better than what they were last year? You know, I don't think so. I think it's status quo. A little I think it's better status in the bullpen. Quo. Yeah, they're a little, little better in little, the bullpen. But the bullpen was pretty good last year. So, it was. Uh, I mean, you know, and is Adovino going to go and well, pitch the, the way thing, he did you know, last year? Our, or Diaz, for that matter? Right. But, you know, as our colleague Salicata loves to use the term fickle, and there's no better term to use than bullpens. You never get the exact same thing. You know, Diaz was lights out. You know, I, amazing. You know, and look, maybe he is that guy. Maybe he's the next guy and he can do it again. And why not? He did it in Seattle. He's comfortable here in New York. You're absolutely out of Vino. Is he going to do it again? Um, but here's the thing. And I know I've talked to you about this on the air and certainly, obviously, Sal. Met Nation soured on Chris Bassett. Go back and look at the numbers. No, he pitched well. Pitched well. He pitched well. When, when DeGrom was hurt, Chris Bassett won games. So now, Kodai Senga, everyone can love him and talk about the ghost for You have no idea what he's going to be. But he has to replace a lot of wins, right? He's basically... Well, him and Quintana. Yeah. And Quintana was awesome last year. Right. But if you look two, three years prior to that, Quintana's pitching with right. five and change ERA. Right. So what guy are you getting? I, he'll take the ball and pitch every fifth day. I don't know how effective he's going to be. Right. No idea. That's the dirty little secret. So the Met rotation could be a lot more durable this year. Not necessarily sure it's better. Yes, and the, and they're going to rely on its depth. You're going to the McGills of the world are going to have to play a role. Uh, the lefty Peterson. Every rotation's right. like that. No, now. I know, but those two guys it. because I think there will be trips to the IL by some of the vet- veterans. Obviously, I mean that's not you know cracking the code, but I I just think you're going to have to extend that rotation. You know, I don't know spot start. You know, 
six-man rotation. No one will want to say it. But Buck Showalter and uh, Hefner are going to have to come up with some uh, plans to keep everybody fresh for October. You mentioned Brunson. Successful next season, getting out of the first round, avoiding the plan. Where are we? It's complicated, and it's murky waters. Right. But for you, where do you look yeah. and draw the line and say, all right, this was a good season for I'm Nets. so jaded when it comes to that franchise that the bar is so low for me. But you yeah. say get out of the first round. I'm like, where's the parade? I agree. You they know, haven't done it they haven't, 2013. Yeah, they haven't done it. You know, look, the, the 21, the year after the bubble, when they got into that playoff series against the Hawks, I mean, we treated that like an NBA Finals in this town. Seriously. You know, and, you know, so you... And I think the way it was going this year where there were some low points, and again, there's going to be a low point again, you know, probably coming up soon. Schedule's tough this week, too. Right. Austin uh, a couple of times, Brooklyn right. on Wednesday. Right. But, but, I mean, I remember talking to you in the newsroom one night, and I don't remember the exact time. I think it was before they played the Mavericks the first time. We are like, I don't think Tibbs is getting a Christmas. Oh, when yeah. he had that bad Saturday right. game? Yeah. And then they rattled off eight in a row. And, and then they rattled off eight in a row. Salvaged things. Yeah. I mean, I certainly remember in the newsroom having conversations, is he going to make it to Christmas? And now, you know, they're fine. You know, they're 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 doing well. They got to figure out R.J. Barrett. He's got to, you know, he's got to elevate and take this team to another level because he's the guy, he's the missing piece of the puzzle. Because Brunson's been great. Randall's been great. Randall's been great. Hart's come in and has played well. Yep. Wickley's given him a good year. Yep. Really not much to complain about with the exception of R.J. Barrett. Yeah. Was better on Saturday night. They need a lot more games like that. He's the number three pick in the draft. At some point, we have to hold him to that. He's got it. You know, I was thinking about this the other night when I was watching the whatever game Randall was going off because he went off in back-to-back games. It was Friday, Saturday, who the hell knows. But I'm like, he is held to such a different standard. And I, the, the, I get it. He's the veteran. But like when he has a bad game, all we do is talk about his attitude. Here we go again. Too many shots. Yada, yada, all the stuff from last year. RJ Barrett has a bad game. Hardly anyone really notices. You know, and how long is he going to be in the starter? How long is he going to be in the starting lineup? Well, and listen, forget about the starting lineup. At the end of these games, right? You, know, you can make the there. argument right. at the end of these games. Yeah. You're better off with Hart, absolutely. And you're better off with quickly. Yes, and I that's mean, your end game closing lineup. I mean, Hart makes winning plays, and quickly's a better shooter. And I'm sure that's what Tibbs is thinking about. He's not going to care, nor should he. Nor should he. Nor should he. They're trying to win games. Uh, Waterworks next couple weeks with Mike Bray, or are we not there yet? Uh, it's so long. Uh, yeah, you know, I feel bad because they can't. It's, get, it's a terrible way to go out. It's a terrible way to go out. And the other thing, you know, not that this is where, you know, it's a terrible way to go out. They're losing heartbreakers left and right because they're not good. They're, they haven't quit on them. But the other thing that I, I don't get is why do you announce it? What do you accomplish by announcing it? Because all you're doing is losing recruits. And I understand you want to be honest to people, but you've lost kids and you can't get a leg up on who's your next coach. You can't call the guy at Oklahoma who's already pulled himself out of the running, right? I don't get the point of announcing other than maybe just so you're not asked it all the time. But, you know, there's this theory that, well, the earlier you announce it, the earlier you can go look for a replacement. Notre Dame can't contact anyone now. They're all coaching, right? You can't call Martin Nigglesby at Delaware and say, hey, what's it going to take? I mean, maybe you can back channel wise. But, you know, you're, now it's taking so long, you already got people saying publicly they don't want the job. So I'm very nervous about Notre Dame basketball because you're losing the guy, the winningest coach in the program's history, and it was time for a change, unfortunately. You've lost your recruits because they don't know who they're going to play for, so they're not going to sign up and sign up just to keep the faith and say, okay, we love Notre Dame. And are you getting a coach, right? It's not like you went out right away and beat Georgetown or St. John's, and I'm just throwing that out there, people. I understand they haven't made a move. To that next hot coach because you haven't made a move. Totally get that. I mean, speaking of coaches who are wearing out their welcome, did you ever think you'd see the Syracuse fan base? No. 
turn on Beheim the no. way that they have? Because no. they have Eamon. I know, you know, I have the inner circles, the Syracuse right. people in my life. And I said, I would say it's 90 10 right now if I go through my phone of Syracuse alum who want him out right. sooner rather than later. And you know, when there was the game where he was snarky with the reporter about the player who didn't play and he was Jim, classic Jim Beheim, and he lost the, you read the comments and they're like, oh, this act is tired. This act is tired. He's being rude to the reporter and Brent Axe challenged him. I'm like, hey, guys, this is the same guy. This ain't def- new. This ain't new. No. You've defended this act for 30 years. You just know you're not going to the final four well, this year. that's the difference. You go from 29 right. and 6 to 16 and 12 right. and right. nowhere maybe even close to the NIT. That's what happens. Hey, look, it's the old Bull Durham line. When you're winning 20 in the show and you got fungus on your sandals, you're eccentric. When you got fungus on your sandals in double A, you're a slop. Correct. So when you're going to the final four, uh, he's sarcastic, he's funny. When you're not going to the tournament, you're you're you know, you're you're it's a tired act. That's all it is. I'm very curious if he's out at the end of this year. I don't think so. I think they're gonna give him next year, but you know how it is in college basketball. They're talking up, oh, we got all these young players. You don't know if they're coming back. All five of those guys can well, say, what's, screw what, you, I'm leaving. What surprised me about Syracuse, and obviously I don't follow it as well as you do. They've gotten good recruits. They've gotten the kid out of Cardinal Hayes. they got another kid to sign. So they're still recruiting well, which is going to give him a chance to convince maybe even himself that he should stay. And But that is surprising that you're still getting kids to commit when it seems like it's like it's a kind of shaky situation. I totally get that. So, But th- that is going to be very dicey for Syracuse fans and John Wildhack and who's ever in charge up there. I mean, go cool. on. Wildhack is not making that call. I don't see any well, way Jim he's making, making that call. Well, making the call. 100%. So, they can try to spin it any which way they want. Bayheim right. is making the call And, you know, leaving. in a way, he should because... It's, he built the program. He's built I the program. That. But at some point... And again, I don't think we're there yet because it's really just one bad year. Well, you would know better than I do. Um, they got very lucky. Right. Very lucky the tournament got canceled 2019-2020 because they weren't going to make it. Right. And they got that miracle buddy year when they looked like they were out, right. they won their way in, and then they were good in the tournament. See, that's the thing. He can reference, eh, right. we've been in the Sweet 16 right. for the last nine years. And when you compare that to other top programs in college basketball, you're like, yeah. But if you think about what their standard was and what it is now, right. it used to be a given they were making the NCAA tournament every year. Right. Now, it's like three out of the last four years, they're not going. Right. Uh, the place is still packed. Not the same way it used to be. Uh, okay, I watched one it game. It was for maybe, the Duke game. Yeah, okay, maybe that's the game the I saw. The Duke game it was, right. but in general, tennis is down, it's carried on. It's down. But recession, team's not any good. You know, they, right. that no, stuff hey, back look, And in. the other thing is, and because this is both our schools, the fan base has not warmed up to the ACC teams other than Duke and Carolina. No. You know? They haven't. NC State coming to the Carrier Dome is not St. John's. It doesn't move the needle. It doesn't move the needle. And I don't think that's, you know, look, we can all question the move. We all know what made the move. You all knew you had to make the move. If you wanted a football team, you couldn't stay in the Big East. So, look, there's no, everyone can sit there and say, oh, we were wishing the Big East. No, you don't, because you wouldn't have nine other sports, right? So, and you certainly wouldn't have football. So, uh, it's just not the same. But you know what? It's a bad league. It's transitional right now. It's not a good league, but it'll be back. But the bottom, the problem is, is that that Northeast fan that grew up, Georgetown, Six St. Overtime, John, UConn, right. you name it. The whole I night, you know, go, going to the Garden, it's not going to get fired up about Miami or Georgia Tech coming to the Dome or Greensboro in two weeks for the ACC tournament. 
I'm yeah. sorry. Not no, the right. same. No, of course it's not the same. Not it's, the same. Hey, look, nothing will ever be the Big East at the Garden. But nothing. there's nothing they can do about it. Because to your point, it was about football. It had to be football. And if not, you don't have football. Case closed. Right. And you don't have Clemson's playoff money. And you don't have Carolina and Duke's Final Four money. You know, you you live off those other schools. So it's, it's, it's a win-win. You had to do it. You had to go find somewhere. Right? It was all a game of musical chairs for everyone leaving the Big East. Right? Rutgers won big, getting into the Big Ten. You know, Syracuse and Pitt, if you wanted a football team, you couldn't stay in that week. Final one. You had your pilgrimage to Lee's Tavern uh-huh. with the boys. Uh, and you beat me wife. to it. No, we had to work it in. So I talked it up. I gave it very high grade, high standard. Uh, what's the reveal? Uh, first of all, it was not what I was expecting because I thought I was walking into like a pizzeria, get two slices and go. Oh, no, 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 no. Right. It was Pies not- only. Yes. Bar. Yes. The whole deal. Yeah. And it was a holiday crowd. So let me just set the scene. Because it was uh, President's, President's Monday. President's Monday. So, the oh, place, so you probably had a good, good crowd there. The place right was crowded. Food. So we had we had to wait a little while. But I tell you, first of all, I've never had buffalo calamari before in my life. That's and that, a good order. That, that was a good order. Good and order. then the, uh, the pizza was very good. The service was excellent. Uh, enjoyed ourselves. I was recognized by a patron. So even though he was a Met fan. That's always know, a win. That's always a win. He said, hey, and he pronounced Eamon right. So, uh, oh, he, it was not Iman. No, it was not. I did not get Eamon. Not Iman. No. So, you know. McElarney. My, my, McElarney, he'll get right. Because of Kyle McElarney, you're going to get that right down at Moore Catholic. And, yeah, hey, look, it was a beautiful day. My son's Fordham Prep freshman team beat Monsignor Farrell. In the playoffs, and we had great. See, pizza. I have no issue with that. I didn't go to Farrell. I know you so didn't. no harm, no foul oh, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, Farrell got the varsity back on Saturday, though. So, uh, so it's a tough Steven. loss for the Rams. Even Steven. Yeah. Um, I will see you on a golf course in a couple weeks. I will see you on television in about 20 minutes, but that first round is uh, I tell you, I got jealous last weekend driving by Van Cortland. I saw people out there. I'm like, man, I should be out there. It was warm enough today for what it's worth. Yeah, it was absolutely it was warm enough to get out there. All right, buddy. Keep up the good work. All right. Good stuff. That's Eamon McEnany. You see him all the time on S and Y. All right. We got a lot more to do. Coming right back. All right. Before we say goodbye, the money man. I know you've been hot lately. I've been uh, following your picks on social media, on Twitter. You've been calling. It is a Monday night in college hoops, or maybe the NBA. I don't know what suits your fancy, Jeff Money, but the four is yours. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick. So it'll be for Monday the 27th. I got one college game and one NBA game. Start out in college. I'm going to go with Nevada minus the five over Wyoming. And in the NBA, I'm going to take the Philadelphia 76ers minus the six over the Miami Heat. Again, two plays in college. We're going to go with Nevada minus the five, and we're going to go with the 76ers. Minus the six, and everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Now, I have a college play as well. We're now at the point of the year where I am very much dialed into college basketball. I mean, that's basically all I did on Saturday. Full slate of cards. You know, like, Saturday going from, like, noon to midnight, and then you throw some booze in there and you're just gambling on games all day. It's a very, very dangerous proposition. It ended up being a profitable one for me this weekend. Thank you, FanDuel Sportsbook, for being uh, accessible for me in the state of Pennsylvania. I appreciate that. Um, it was a good weekend. Here's my one point for tomorrow. System play! System play! System play. Ranked Baylor. Only a one-and-a-half point favorite against Okie State. That line stinks. Okie State, Okie State, Okie State. Give me the Cowboys, who are, as we sit, 
playing, getting one and a half. World on Baylor. Okie State, Okie State, Okie State. Go Cowboys. Good job by Stefan. We'll be back later in the week. We're going to do a live. We'll have details for that on social media. After Knicks Nets. Very much fired up for that. So we'll have that on Wednesday. We'll do Wednesday instead of Tuesday this week. And then our normal pod on Thursday. Uh, big week of basketball. And it might be a big week of hockey, too, if Patrick Kane ends up becoming a New York Ranger. So, fired up. Just got to get the weather warmer. Talking about snow tomorrow. Nobody needs that. Trust me. Nobody needs that. On that note, JJ out. Enjoy your Monday. Be good, everybody.